0: Talk, bringing the world three days and 50 miles closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. Whether
1: walker or crew, veteran or new, join us as we share news and memories from MS Challenge Walk.
2: Good morning to you, the heroes of MS Challenge Walk. My name is Ken Gagne, and I'm the host of MS Challenge Talk, a weekly podcast dedicated to supporting you as you walk three days and 50 miles to bring us closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. We've received some wonderful feedback about last week's interview with John Keefe, whose full name I actually neglected to mention in the show. Most of you know him as the General, or even Sarge. It was such an honor to talk to him, and I was hesitant to demystify the character a bit, but once I got to know him, I realized that there was so much more to him than what we see on the route. And we see so much every single year he's there to support us. And I'm glad that I was able to bring that character to you and let you get to know him a little bit better. I know that I'm certainly looking forward to seeing him on the route again this fall. I know many of you are having summer vacations. I hope you're remembering to bring this show on the road with you as you listen to it from your iPod, iPhone, iPad, or other mobile device. I myself just got back from a week in Kansas City. This was my 15th consecutive year attending a retro computing convention in Kansas City, Missouri. The only way in which it's relevant to this cause is that it's where I learned how to put together a show like this. I host a monthly podcast in that community, and everything that I learned... Putting that show together, I was able to, I was able to take the MS Society and hit the ground running to put together MS Challenge Talk. I was amused when I was in Kansas City to receive an email from some friends back in Boston to say that the heat wave had finally broken. And I don't know what exactly constitutes a heat wave back home here in Massachusetts, but in Kansas City, it was 103 degrees, and that wasn't a heat wave, that was Tuesday. Just goes to show how much standards can vary across the nation. I didn't have my bicycle with me in Kansas City, and even if I had, I don't think I would have ridden out in that heat. So that means I'm a little bit out of shape, and I'm looking forward to getting back into shape for the MS Challenge Walk, which is next month, practically. This is nearly the end of July. We are nearly halfway from the summer solstice to the autumnal equinox. MS Challenge Walk, of course, is the weekend after Labor Day, as always, which means it is coming up very quickly. It was about this time of year, seven years ago, that I signed up for my first MS Challenge Walk. I was sort of a latecomer to the event. I recently had that tale featured in my workplace's internal publication, IDG World Update. One of my coworkers and fellow challenge walkers, Leslie Baldy, suggested I pitch the story to them, and she was right on the money because they took it and ran with it. That story can now be found on challengeblog.org. That very first year, I joined Gordon's team. I was very happy to be a walker on their team for three years. When I switched to bicycle support in 2006, I decided to start my own team. However, even though my fundraising no longer goes toward the bottom line of Gordon's team, they're still very welcoming to have me in their cabins every year. And this week, it's my pleasure to invite them onto the podcast. I'll be speaking with Kim Tynan, the captain of Gordon's team, and her husband, Tim Tynan. Before then, let's briefly talk with Daniel Kemp, the coordinator of MS Challenge Walk for the National MS Society. Good morning, Danielle. How are you today?
1: Good morning, Ken. I'm doing well. How are you?
2: I'm fine, thank you. And it is July 30th, and the MS Challenge Walk is coming up pretty quick.
1: Yes, it is. We're looking forward to it.
2: And what do you have to help our walkers get ready for the event?
1: Well, this week is actually Fun and Fundraising Week, which means we're getting closer to the event, and we're trying to encourage people to fundraise. Um, We're always encouraging you to fundraise, but this week we have a little bit more incentive to do so. So we're offering prizes in three categories. Um, anyone, walk or crew if you're fundraising, qualifies for these. Anybody who fundraises counts. So people who raise at least $250 online or more during fundraising week, people who make a self-donation of $10 or more during fundraising week, and the person who raises the most during fundraising week will all win a prize. Um, the first two, you'll be entered in a raffle to win a prize. The grand prize, it's the person who raises the most. There's no drawing for that one. But I'll be sending out an email with more details of how exactly you qualify, and I'll post it to Facebook as well.
2: And has the nature of those prizes been identified yet?
1: I know the grand prize is going to be an Amazon, sorry, an American Express gift card, but we're working on the other ones. Last year, there was a restaurant gift card and a Dunkin' Donuts gift card in the mix. It'll probably be something similar.
2: Cool. So walkers and crew have three ways to win.
1: Yes, they do. And we purposely make these three ways that anybody can be qualified to win. We're not trying to penalize anybody who had done their fundraising before or people that are just starting now. It's a level playing field for everybody.
2: Uh, $1,500 is the minimum for walkers. Remind me what the minimum for crew is?
1: Crew are not required to do any fundraising, but if you want to become super crew, you get a pin for that. That's raising $200 or more.
2: Great. So you raise 200 you become super crew, raise 250 you get entered into a raffle. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's a great incentive to just do that extra mile.
1: Uh, of course, and we really appreciate everybody's fundraising, um, especially um, when, when crew don't have any requirement to do it, it's even better when we see that happening. And walkers, we know 1,500 1, is tough for some, but we really appreciate all the work you're doing, and if you have any questions about your fundraising, please contact me. I can help team you up with a mentor that's done fundraising for years or offer advice myself. We want to make sure everyone succeeds.
2: And remind me how to contact you?
1: You can contact my email address, nmss.org, or you can call me, and my, email, my phone number is on the Challenge Walk website as well.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for making yourself available. We appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thanks so much for helping out with us.
2: So I'm honored today to have been invited into the home of Kim and Tim Tynan, ground zero for Gordon's team. Hi. 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 Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. So how long has Gordon's team been doing MS Challenge Walk?
0: All 11 years.
2: All 11. As Gordon's team?
0: The first year, we didn't have a name. My brother and my sister and I started walking because she heard a radio ad. And my brother Gordon had just been diagnosed with MS, and we were sort of lost as to what we could do to help out, and we didn't know a lot about it. So she heard an ad probably a month after he was diagnosed and said, let's do this. So she just mentioned it to me and I kind of do whatever my sister suggests. If she wants to do it, we do it. And my brother, he's the younger, the youngest of the four of us. And so he, we, you know, he tagged along with us and we did the walk with no name. And it started in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And we had to walk and get on the Mayflower too. And we had to take a boat ride, which was not great for some of us because you know you,
2: you lose your land legs and you have to walk twenty yeah. miles. Yeah,
0: and then we got off the boat and we were in Provincetown, and that was amazing because there were a lot of walkers that year. I'm not about sure a thousand, numbers. I think about a thousand. And the way that the geography was, the hill that led down into Provincetown, you could see everyone in front of you, and when you turned around, you could see everyone in back of you and walking down the main street, and it was phenomenal.
2: That was been quite the sight.
0: It was great. It was great actually to be off the boat, and it was great to see so many people working for the same cause. The walk then wasn't so great after that because there's some beach walk that we had to walk on sand, and you had sand in your shoes, and that part was a little treacherous, but every year since then it's been much better.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So your family leapt right into going 50 miles. You didn't start off with a one-day walk or uh, something smaller?
0: No. We've actually morphed into some parts of the family do the smaller walks now. People that crew... As, and they're a little bit older, they're the older generation, Gordon's parents particularly, um, they, my mom and dad, they didn't want to do, they couldn't do the 50 miles, and they've tried it at different times, they've walked for, they've been crew and walked for a couple, you know, miles with walkers, they've tried to walk a day here or there, my dad walks a lot because he's a photographer on the team, but, My mom really wanted to do something. So when they had the Springfield walk and it's really in her backyard, literally in her backyard at Forest Park, she started walking that walk. And then with the little kids who have been on the crew since, actually they were volunteers the first year and they were on the crew ever since, they do the walk too because it's a three-mile walk. And sometimes they do it twice. But
2: And how much do the crew members on your team fundraise? Just as much as the rest of
3: us, the
0: crew, yeah, does yeah. everything we do. they
2: do everything
3: we do, all our crew are always super crew because it's not fair. they work the tight seals, they you know put stamps on the letters, they do everything we do, so they should participate just as much. so we don't really have an, any individual Kim really does most of our fundraising, but we don't have any one individual that it's just about them, so the money's come into the team as a whole.
0: The, the little kids on the team, um, my daughter, Emma, my daughter, Eleanor, Casey, when she was little, Brian, they would actually like walk up and down the neighborhood selling raffle tickets. Um, when we would do raffles, my, the older generation would go and solicit gifts and things for the raffle. My dad went to the entire fire department in Springfield and he would sell raffle tickets and he actually did the most fundraising in terms of raffle sales. I, you know, One year, I think he raised $5,000 just in sales himself. Just going to the fire department because you ask firefighters to help out with anything, and they're
3: yeah. right there. And Emma was in our local newspaper when she's in second grade because she had an MS uh, lemonade stand. Right. And I think she raised a couple hundred dollars at yeah. that lemonade stand, and it, they wrote a nice article about her in yeah. the newspaper, and also everybody We've, that en-
0: that ended up getting her in second grade. She wrote a report about having an MS stand and how all the local people stopped to help her, and that ended up getting her award. From the local newspaper, the, the Republican, movie. and she donated her award back to the MS team. Wow. So, <laughs> it was pretty incredible. Yeah,
2: it was fun. Yeah. So, you have a very charitable mindset in this family.
0: You know, it's not something we ever suspected. I think if it's um, the whole family will tell you, it's probably the silver lining of Gordon's disease that we didn't used to be a fundraising family. We didn't used to be, we all gave to our local churches and we, you know, we'd give to cancer and we'd give to, Tim donates blood, and we did that kind of thing that most families do. But besides bowling for Big Brothers Big Sisters, yeah. we didn't actually go do anything for a charity. And when Gordy got sick, it sort of brought the entire family into like, working for charity, which has been now the second generation are in high school, and they're all very charitable. All the kids have that sort of mindset that you give back; you don't just keep, you know. For and yourself. they've
3: done it for other, other uh, needy causes like Eleanor spent a week volunteering at a camp for ill children in Maine. Camp Sunshine. Camp Sunshine for children from all over the country that come. And we didn't have this. I wasn't brought up with it. You know, they talk about charity in church and things like that when you grow up, but this really made it real. Right. And I didn't walk the first two years. I cheered for Kim. And she would come home with this, for lack of a better term, this spiritual experience And I was watching the little kids at my parents house while she was doing this wonderful thing. And so the third year I said, I want to do this. I want (laughs) to, I want to do this with you and experience it. And it really has been my fa- I say every year my favorite weekend of the year. Why? Because I get to walk 50 miles with my wife. You know, we just don't get to spend three whole days fully together. During the year, we're busy, we got kids, we have jobs, she's a teacher, I travel for a living. So, to put everything away, and occasionally even turn off my cell phone, um, (laughs) we're together for three days. You know, and except for one year, when we had a hurricane, it's always been beautiful weather, we're walking through beautiful scenery, and everyone there is a good person. I mean, you wouldn't be there if you're evil, right? And (laughs) and they're always in good spirits, and, you know, the crew is fabulous. You know, they do a fantastic job, and their energy level is just fun to be around. I've never gotten to the end of the walk where I'm physically just depleted. I might have bad blisters or something. So I just like seeing the crew because they're so excited. They're so, You know, and they bring it for 12, 13 hours a day, and it's pretty impressive.
2: So, so, so all the blisters, the rock-hard coughs, the so-so food, it doesn't get to you?
3: Uh, um, the blisters are the only thing that gets to me, but that would never stop me from walking. And my, uh, Kim's youngest brother, Glenn, who used to walk with us, was one of the original three. We were walking, um, my first year on day three, and we had just passed the general store in, I don't know, the town. Brewster. In Brewster, where the folks sit out and drink their coffee. And great little piece of Americana. But uh, so we turn up the hill there. And it's the first real incline you encounter on day three. And we both started to groan about our feet. We both had fairly severe blisters. And I turned to him and I said, you know, your brother would give anything to have the pain in his feet right now because he can't do this. And I say that to myself. And when my girl started walking, I said that to Eleanor. And this year, Emma's going to walk. And I'm going to have heard the same little speech you know, there will come a time when you're hurting, but your uncle would do anything to feel that pain again. So, no, I don't mind the blisters. They're fine.
2: How do you train to avoid those blisters? <laughs> Almost never.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I stand on my feet all day long, so I don't train, which just seems really strange. I mean, I walk during the summer, like I'll walk the dog now, but... Um, you know, we'll go for two mile walks or a three mile walk here or there, sometimes we'll do a five. The first year I think we trained the most, yeah. or I trained the most with my sister and Glenn, just trained really in August. Uh and I I think the first year the hardest thing was mental. I stand on my feet all day long. I don't sit down, I don't I walk you know, I teach first grade, so I'm constantly moving around. So it wasn't hard to be on my feet for that many hours in a row. I think the hardest thing thing for me was my shoulders hurt. <laughs> From, from keeping my head straight and having good posture for you know eight hours of walking, which I was surprised. So I thought maybe I should do some arm training <laughs> to strengthen my shoulders.
2: Well, walking is really a whole body it experience. It really is. You have to have good core strength. Man.
0: But I never actually had blisters. I always want to do a commercial for Asics because I've been wearing Asics for all of the years that I've walked and I've never had a blister. And I super Vaseline my feet. I put on wool socks, which sounds funny to people, but well, I think wool's great to walk in and I never had a blister. So I can't give you any advice about that. I tell everybody yeah. wear wool socks and don't wear new socks and you know, whether they believe me or not. For
3: me, the blisters <laughs> are just, if it's, we had one year that was nice, cool weather and I didn't get blisters because right. I, I sweat. So if it's warm out, I'm getting them. There's really no way around it, right. but that's part of the price you pay.
2: And at the lunch stop, you don't change socks or shoes or anything. No, we, we don't, don't even stop. stop.
0: We just pick up our lunch, we and, get and, our keep lunch going. and
2: keep walking. So it's, it's twenty miles straight. Yeah. With no rest. No sitting. Why would well, you?
3: Do because one
0: year socks? we sat, and I was so stiff after ten minutes of sitting down to eat, and we just said, "Never mind. We're not doing that again."
3: Yeah, and my <laughs> so. knees. My knees do tend to lock up. And, one year we did do the sitting. The first year Eleanor walked, I think. And uh it was less than comfortable for the next couple miles. So we just yeah. keep moving. We don't race. We're not the no. first couple in, you no. know. We're not in a hurry. This isn't We're not the no, last, but we're
0: not the first. There's
3: no gold medal at the end of the line for being yeah. first, right? So we just enjoy ourselves and go for a stroll. It just happens to be 20 miles.
2: You long. walk and eat at the same time.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we got coordination levels that are beyond the the reason <laughs> the, the average man.
0: <laughs> and we hold our trash till we get to wherever we're going, or we give them to passing bicyclists that's on our team. And Here we go. It's Very good. I, go. Sometimes it's you. That's what I'm here for.
2: <laughs> so you got the train down pretty well over the last ten years. How have you managed fundraising? What works? What doesn't?
0: Um, letter campaigns really work. Everybody is super generous. I remember the first year we wrote letters. The first letter I got back was from my father's friend who owns a plumbing company here in Springfield, and it was $500. And I called my sister, and I was crying hysterically, and I said, I can't believe they gave me $500. And she said, I have a check from my brother in law for $500. And it was just, it just blew us away that people were so incredibly generous, and that they continue to be every year. I think the first year they were like, oh, you're just going to do this once.
3: Yeah.
0: And then we did it the next year and the next year and the next year. And, you know, people are still giving us so much money. And I was just looking at our records and I think it's over 137,000, 134,000 from last year going forward. I think I didn't count the 8,000 we did last year, but it's just, it surprises me that that's just people being generous. And we have tag sales. Um, every year we ask people if you're donating anything, you want to get rid of it. And what that sort of morphed into is every year it seems we know somebody who's moving and they're doing a whole house. They're doing a whole house clean out. after they've sold their house. They want to get rid of everything. And they say, how do you feel about taking all our stuff and selling it to get rid of it? Because we've taken what we want and everything else is extra. So it was our neighbor um, about four years ago it was a neighbor who lived around the corner. They said, Take everything out of the house that you want. So we just cleared everything brought to our house. My mom sold a house to uh, sold the house of people who's own a ring nursing home. And they after they took their stuff, they had a beautiful mansion. huge mansion oh, downtown Springfield and they said, Take whatever you want. So that tag sale was so big, people gave up going to the Brimfield Flea Market, which is huge and famous in this part of Massachusetts. They would call their friends, don't go there, come here instead. We had 25 tables. We had, my uncle had to construct and build on our trees some places like Rack scaffolding to hang, to right, hang all the paintings that we yeah. had. It was just crazy big. And I think that tag sale was worth like $4,000. Yeah. Um, last year I had an estate sale for a woman. She was, my mom had sold her house and she was in her 90s. And she said, I need to get rid of everything. I'm moving to Oregon and I need to raise enough money to go. And she hired me, and she said, "You can keep twenty five percent for yourself you can have that for doing the work and I said, "Can I keep it and donate it all to m s and she said, "I would love that so that 's we had an estate sale for her, and that was one walker that we, we gave her forty five hundred dollars and she gave we had fifteen hundred for ourselves so
3: you know and back to the letter writing, the first couple of years we felt really conspicuous, just sending a letter saying, Please send us money, and i don 't know who wrote you this note back but one person, and I always think of this every year. One person said, um, "Thank you for including me right. in your list. Thank you for letting me participate in your in your fundraising in your life." Yeah, and it was like we were doing her a favor. Ever since then, Kim will say, "Oh, should we send this person a letter?" I think we should always send the letter. You know, if anybody's listening, you got a question about spending the money on a stamp or whatever, send the letter. Include people in your life. Because you don't know who they know that might have a similar disability or or just a need to participate in something. And even if they can't walk, they can be part of it.
2: You wrote a blog post a couple of years ago that I still point to talking about how it's not your place to decide whether or not people should have that opportunity. That's right. And, you know,
3: because all we can do is put it out there. And they don't want to participate. Fine. Hey, I have brothers. They don't send me anything. But these Friends of a friend do, and, you know, cousins of
0: cousins do. Some of the, some of the most touching letters. Like one year, I sent it to a cousin of my mother's who was in really, really dire straits. And she sent me back the money for the stamp. The two stamps, the one I had sent, and she'd sent me back the letter, and she said, I can't contribute this year, but, and I'm giving you back the money for your stamp, but please send me another one next year, because when things are better, I want to be back on your list. And I, and made me cry, because I thought, She doesn't have any extra money, and I knew she really didn't, but I sent the letter anyways because I didn't want her to feel like, well, I knew you were in good times, so I sent you the letter, but now I've just forgotten about you. I wanted her to feel like she's still on the team no matter what. You know, I know in spirit she's still with us. She definitely indicated that in her in her note back to us that she was proud of what we were doing. She was still supporting, and I've had letters from little old ladies who are on a fixed income and have nothing extra, and they send me $10 and an apology. I'm sorry. This is all I can give you. I'm on a fixed income, and I think that's huge. Those are the
3: best ten dollars. That's huge. You know, we, the guy that gives us five hundred bucks, fabulous. We love that. But he has it. You know, the lady who's a widow and by herself, trying to make ends meet, on limited income, and takes ten dollars and gives it to us, just so we can go walk and get blisters, is great. <laughs> it's good stuff. Do you ever stop asking people like your brothers? No, no, I, I, we discuss this every year too, cause my brothers aren't gonna give, and uh, I, they've never told me why, and I, I don't really pressure them on it, or give them a hard time about it. But they need to know we're still doing it. They need to know it's right. important in our lives. I mean, Gordon, her brother, is my brother. I mean, we've been together, married 22 years, and dated 3 years before that. I've known him the majority of his life. He's my little brother. So this will always be important. And my biological brothers need to understand that too. And anybody needs to understand this is a big part of my life.
0: I'll tell you a favorite moment of mine. I thought year 10, after doing it 10 years, I thought, you know what? I think I'm losing that good feeling I get. I mean, I was happy to be walking with Tim and I was happy to be walking with my family. And gorgeous, gorgeous weather last year. Definitely better than the hurricane before the years before. But I just thought, I'm, I'm not emotionally connected this year. Something's wrong. I'm not feeling the connection that I I thought I was, you know, I thought, felt I was losing it. And it was day two, and I was really worried about it, and I came to the finish line, and I was high-fiving everybody at the finish line, and I was, okay, you know, good, to, happy to see everyone. And I came around the corner walking up into the sea camps, and there was a woman in a wheelchair, and she looked at me, and she started to cry, and she said, thank you for walking with me, for me. And I just... That was it. That that one sentence from one stranger. I'd never met her before. I'd never seen her before on the walk. And she just said, thank you for walking for for me. And I just lost it. I started bawling. And I'm like, okay, I'm still connected. (laughs) And it was just, it was, I had that the first year. People would hold signs. My sister and I walked together most of the time. And people would come out and hold signs along the Cape and say, thank you for walking for me because I can't walk due to MS. And I cried so much on that first walk because I felt sad that they couldn't walk. And then I felt strangely happy that I could do that for them and blessed that I had the sense to get off my couch and go do it. And I don't know what, whether it was my sister that compelled me or my love for my brother or higher spirit or whatever, but I just felt really thankful that this whole piece had fallen into our lives because, you know, our kids now do the walk for the cancer. They, they, um, the, the Walk at Night, the Ray of Hope, the, the of hopes, hopes Marathon the that they do at night uh, without even asking us. They're just like, we're going to do this. and Because now that's part of their life, and they were babies when we started doing this. I mean, they were literally, Emma was two and a half, I think, when she started at the first walk. She was a little girl that had taffy, and walked, people would walk by and she'd say, hey, little walker, want some taffy? And they would come over and take candy from her, and then they talked about her in the in the camp that night. Did you see that little girl giving everybody candy? She was so cute. And I thought, they're talking about my kid. (laughs) And she grew up to be a little girl who was on the crew for years and is now going to be a walker this year. So,
2: She's been doing this most of her life. Well, she's
3: volunteered, uh, I think. She was two and a half. Yeah, she's been volunteering and showing up. Three and a half. Yeah, I think crewing. Was last year her first official crew year? No. How many years has Emma done? Three? Three.
0: Yeah, three, three years official of official
3: brewing. But she has come to the walk for all three days
0: since Since she was beginning. a toddler, yeah. since it started, and she's 14 years old. So it's, she was a three-year-old, pudgy little, you know, just got out of diapers kind of kid, standing on the sideline cheering everybody on. And her sister was holding the signs that they made with marker that were, you know, kid print and spelled right only because somebody told them how to spell everything and... It was great to see them then, but now they've grown up, and you know her sister's in, in college, and she's like, I think there's a walk down in D.C. I can do, because she can't make it back to do the walk. And
3: last year, Eleanor was in college for the first time and didn't walk, and I had a woman come up to me, and I honestly do not know her name. I've seen her on the walk before, but we've never had a conversation, and she said, is your eldest daughter okay? I didn't see her this year. I'm like, she's away at college, but thanks for asking. I mean, you're part of people's lives, and you don't even know it. Right. You know, and that's sort of the cool thing about the right. one.
2: This is sort of your second family.
3: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And we don't know them all. Like, you know, we we're sitting here today and you said John the General's last King. name, and we've never heard it before that I'm aware of. And, you know, but we he's part of
2: our family, even though we didn't know his last name. Mm-hmm. Right. You
0: know? Right. Right.
2: Well, I'm glad that you've joined this family. I'm glad that you you've let me be a part of your team now oh, and then.
0: Yep. Yeah, we're glad. We are very to. glad
3: you
2: were part of our team. <laughs> yeah,
0: and <laughs> and even if you can stand us in the cabins at night and the snoring and all the noises,
3: you know, <laughs> the snoring, huh? Who you're, snores?
0: You're always welcome. <laughs> you're always welcome to join us. Thank
2: you. So, <laughs> you, so after ten years, you're you're still doing it. Yeah. Which is amazing because I this is my eighth year, and as long as you and I both keep doing this, I will have never walked as many walks as you have. Uh-huh, so that's a motivator, right? Because you've been you've been there <laughs> since the beginning, and it sounds like you'll be there till the end.
3: So my knees have bothered me quite a bit this year, and Emma just two days ago said, right, "How long are you gonna walk the walk?" I said, "Until it's until the cure the disease," because I could not imagine giving up. It's just not something yeah. that's going to happen ever.
0: And I, I told Gordon when we started, I'm going to do this until you can do it with me. So that's great. You know, and and if they cure MS and he can't walk, obviously the walk will end. But you know, I, I anybody that has family members or loved ones or people that they care about that have MS, there's a whole family of people who love them because mm-hmm. they love people with MS and they know what they're going through. So, so they should all feel welcome. They should all come to the walk. Yeah.
2: We'd be lucky to have them, just like we're lucky to have you. Yes, we would. Thank you you
0: very much.
2: Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Kim and Tim. It was great to finally see you somewhere other than the MS Challenge Walk Cape Cod. I can honestly say that that interview was the least sweaty I've ever seen you. This week on the event calendar, for those of you looking to support your own, we have two events from the upstate New York team, the Hut Pack, recently featured on this podcast. And you don't need to be in New York to support them because their events are online. They're having both a jewelry party and a tastefully simple event. Details about how you can go online and order these products and have some of the proceeds benefit the team Hut Pack's fundraising for MS Challenge Walk are all on our event calendar. Just go to challengetalk.org slash calendar. That's it for events that are exclusive to this week. As we're getting down to the wire, I expect that some of the fundraising might be slowing down as people have met their goals, or it might be speeding up as people haven't met their goals. We'll see how it goes. Either way, I hope you're having success reaching your $1,500 minimum. If you need any help, feel free to check out our blog for our fundraising tips or email me at ken at or email Danielle. Any questions that you want fielded on the podcast, we're more than welcome to share any advice on the air so that other people can benefit from it. Chances are, if you have that question, other people do too. In the meantime, this is Ken Gagney signing off for MS Challenge Talk. We hope you'll join us next week for our first episode of August, that being on August 6th at 9 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, where we'll have another great interview for you. Until then, keep training, fundraising, and bringing the world closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. Thank you for everything that you do. Talk to you next week.
0: This has been MS Challenge Talk. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at
1: www.challengetalk.org.